With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Roddy takes the snap. He'll look to the right side. He's throwing deep again, going to the end zone, up in the air. Touchdown, Eskimos! Adarius Bowman! Hey, that's three! From Carpath and Finland, Jesse Pugujarvi. He takes the snap, and J.C. Sherrick goes over the top. The Eskimo defense has done it! Eskimos win the football game. It is short. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet. Well, hello on this Tuesday night. Are you like me who just just felt like it was a Monday today? (laughs) It's not a Monday. It's a Tuesday, folks. Hope you had a great long weekend. Everyone probably... A little blurry-eyed going back to work today. Me a little bit, too. Yeah. Actually got a long weekend in the middle of a football season. That's that's something. But I hope you had a great time uh, that you weathered the weather wherever you were, whether you're in town or whether you camped, wherever, you know, uh, wherever your travels took you, whether it was a staycation or a mini vacation. A little tough sledding here uh, weather-wise on the weekend. If you're out uh, enjoying K-Days or uh, going out to the Heritage Festival, uh, I went out to the Heritage uh, Festival yesterday. And uh, overall, it's pretty good. Some really uh, mucky spots, though. They sure got a lot of rain down there. Uh, so, uh, hey, if you had a great time, awesome. If your weekend was too short, well, guess what? All of our weekends were too short as well. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed's off tonight and tomorrow. He'll be back on Thursday. I'm getting on a plane Thursday and flying to Ottawa because the Eskimos are playing the Ottawa Red Blacks on Saturday afternoon from our nation's capital, the home of the 2017 Grey Cup. You can catch that game right here on 630 Chet. 3.30 is the pregame show. 5 o'clock is the kickoff with Morley Scott, yours truly, and analysis from Blake Dermott. Eskimos have lost two straight. We'll talk about them. Of course, the Eskimo show coming up after 8 o'clock from 8 until 9 with Morley. Uh, tonight we'll talk a lot about uh, the news of the day from the Oilers. And we'll get to our guest in a moment here. But yes, some changes for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, you know, kind of, I remember uh, when Peter Shirelli was hired, I remember working that, that night. And it was, you know, talked about how he's keeping around Craig McTavish and Scott Housen. Well, Scott Housen is no longer around. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, yeah, a lot of changes. Is Peter Shirelli, and even go up higher, Bob Nicholson, who is running Oilers Entertainment Group from both the the business side and overseeing the hockey side as well, as far as the you know being the overseer of things, uh, definitely trying to make their mark and put their stamp on things, and uh, they're putting around familiar people that they trust. So that's what happened today, as uh, Peter Shirelli hired Keith Gretzky, not Brent, because. 
for some reason, I was getting it confused a couple of times, but now I have it. It is Keith Gretzky. <laughs> yes, Keith Gretzky, who has extensive experience in the league as a scout, uh, was a former scout of the Arizona Coyotes, uh, former head of amateur scouting for the Coyotes, same position with the Boston Bruins, and now he is uh, getting a big-time promotion coming uh, to the Edmonton Oilers as the assistant general manager, and he joins me now. Uh, Keith, nice to have you on the program. Uh, welcome to Edmonton, first of all. Congratulations on the post. Well, thanks very much. I'm really excited about it. Uh, tell me about uh, how this all came about. I know you have a previous relationship with uh, with Peter Shirelli, but uh, how did this all come together? Um, they, I think Pete called, uh, you know, Boston a couple weeks ago, probably two weeks ago, and you know, asked Don Sweeney and uh, if he could have permission to talk to me. And, you know, um, I talked to both uh, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely. They were really, uh, you know, treated me really well. It was hard to leave. And, you know, we tried to see if something would work out there. And, you know, I just thought it was a great opportunity to go to Edmonton, you know, with the team that Wayne played for and, and knowing Pete. And I thought it was a great situation for me. And I was uh, lucky enough that both uh Cam and uh, Donnie, you know, gave uh, Pete permission to talk to me, and uh, you know, I became, um, you know, an Edmonton Oiler. Is it one of those bittersweet moments too? You, you you love the opportunity, but you love where you worked for so long. Yeah, you know, I, I explained that to them both. I said, you know, if this is not, uh, you know, we're not parting out of, uh, you know, on bad terms. It's I understand where they were coming from because we were doing well. We fought. You know, I got along with them, and I respected them. And, you know, I, I just explained to Cam and Donnie that it was one of those things that doesn't come around too often. And, you know, I really, you know, thought the, the scouting staff that we had in Boston was really coming together, and we thought we did well in the last couple drafts. So it was hard. You know, you, you have a lot of friendships, and, you know, you, you travel a lot during the year with uh, guys on your staff, and you get real close. And, you know, it's a, it's one of those things that's your, your high one day of, of excitement of going there. And, you know, you also have a little bit of a downer because you're, you're leaving good friends and good people, and that's what happened there. Uh, so this opportunity with the Oilers, um, you know, you're working with Peter Shirelli again, and we talked about that at the outset. Tell me, what is it about Peter that, that really attracts you to the job and attracts you to the Oilers? And uh, obviously you mentioned your brother Wayne, uh, that, that's a big attraction. So you're not unaware of the city and not unaware of the organization. But uh, with Peter Shirelli at the helm of hockey operations, what is, what is really attractive to you about the job? You know, I just, a lot of things with Peter, I know what he's like. I've worked for Peter. He's a very smart man. And, you know, he's what he did in Boston, you know, when he took over there. And, you know, his track record uh, you know, speaks for himself. And, you know, I want to learn, and he's going to teach me. It's it's one of those things that we can help each other. And, you know, I'm really excited. And, and I also look at, the, you know, a brand-new arena. The team's young. It has to go up. And I know... You know, I know Peter, and he's going to do everything he can to make the team better, and you know, try to win a championship. What, when you look at his time in Boston compared to what you see, you know, here in Edmonton, what are some of the parallels that you see that, uh, you know, that are, you know, you would say similar, and and you know, you see some patterns forming uh, what Peter's doing here compared to what he did in uh, in Boston. Well, you know, you you got to get heavier and 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 get not get pushed around. And Peter's trying to, you know, impose that with the hockey club is getting bigger and stronger. And you know, not 
not lose your speed. You still need speed and, and skill, but you, you got to have guys that are heavy on the puck and especially in the West. And, and, you know, I know he's trying to do it and, and you know, these things don't happen overnight. I, I wish they did, but you know, eventually that's what, what he's going to get is some, some players that he built like in Boston. And, and I know what his vision is and, and, you know, you just got to stay on track and, and, you know, try to get the players that you need and, and getting Luchik is a, is a, prime example of you know trying to get that different mentality so you know you, you know you're in for a battle every night when you play the Oilers intimidation is still a big part of the game isn't it well you know you just got to be strong on the puck like you said there's not much fighting nowadays compared to the older days but you know you still have to be you know willing to battle and be strong on the puck and you know that's one area that you know he's trying to improve on get heavier and you know with with some of the picks and the additions, that's what he's doing. Joined by Keith Gretzky, who today was named the new assistant general manager of the Edmonton Oilers, joining us tonight here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. So the role of assistant general manager, uh, what areas of the club will you be responsible for? Because, you know, when you see it just assistant general manager, that can mean a variety of things. So what primarily will your roles be? Well, I think this year, you know, I talked to Peter about it. You got to get to know the organization and see what we have in the system and get to know everybody. You can't do that overnight. You know, I'm going to spend some time when in Edmonton that stretches during the year to, you know, be with the team and, and see them practice and play. You know, spend time down in Bakersfield, get to know our organization, American League, and also the kids that you've drafted and, and uh, see where we are with them. And, you know, overlook the uh, amateur side on the on the scouting and the pro side. So, and also to see the top end 40 players and that, you know, comes later on during the year. You know, you'll catch some games here and there, but, you know, later on, you know, concentrate on that. And that's what I'll be doing um, as assistant GM. So a lot of work with Bob Green as well, who's the director of scouting. Exactly. You know, I'm not there to take his spot. I'm, I'm going to help him and overlook and, and, you know, anything he has to say, I'll listen to. And, and, you know, the one thing we did well in Boston, you know, we all work together and you have to do that to get the best player. And, you know, at the end of the day, you get, you can argue and, and, you know, bicker with each other, but you still want the best player. And I think good communication helps you as a, as a staff and as a, as a scout and, you know, we're all learning as we go. It's one of those things that, you know, if we knew it all, you'd hit a home run every pick you have. And I just think if you're a group that works hard, and, and I really believe that you have to work hard, and, you know, you don't work, you know, stupidly. You just work hard and you try to get the best players and, and, and what's going to help your organization. You know, I, I want to ask you with your history of uh, uh, with the Arizona Coyotes as director of amateur scouting there and as a scout, and the same with the Boston Bruins. Um, it, it's an area, a couple areas that have been really difficult for this organization uh, for the Oilers is one drafting after the second round and stockpiling talent at the lower levels at at the American League level, even at the East Coast level, but more specifically at the American League level. From your history, tell me the importance of of drafting well past round two and making sure that you are uh, stockpiled enough at, at the American League level that your farm team has enough talent to go around? Yeah, I think it's important. I think, you know, you know, in Phoenix, for example, we had good scouts. We drafted uh, Keith Yendo, I think, in the fourth round. And, you know, I know we drafted a couple guys in Boston in the fourth and fifth rounds that, 
know, we, we feel that we're going to play in the near future. So, you know, I, again, I come back to it. I, I believe that the scouts really concentrate. you got to really fight for your players. And, you know, especially in the mid to late round picks, those aren't just ones that you throw numbers up or names up on the board. I, I really believe, like, you know, you should be as passionate enough as, you know, the fourth round guy as the first round guy. And, and I think as a staff where we've been, in Boston, we, we believed in that. We had guys that really believed in guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round. And I think it's very, very important to do. And I, I think you can't lose your, I don't want to say concentration. I, I just think you have to be really, really mindful of a guy you believe in. And, and if a guy believes in that area guy, then, you know, you should drop them. And I, I think we've done a you know, pretty good job where I've been, you know, doing that. And I believe in that. I, I, I don't think that... You know, I, I don't know what's the past here. I know it hasn't been great in that area, but I also believe that there's there's spots where guys, you know, in, uh, you know, my past with teams that we believed in players and 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 we jumped out and and you know we drafted them. I know Heinen in Boston the last couple of years, um, we drafted them, I believe in the fourth round, and you know we went to prospect camp last couple of weeks ago. And he was outstanding. I, I believe that he's going to be pushing for a spot. And, you know, and a little bit, you know, of course, is luck. And, and you know, let's not kid yourself. But I, I really believe the biggest thing is is that a guy in that area has to really believe in And, you know, it's harder for a guy like Bob Green that's the head of scouting or myself to get in there and, you know, catch him all the time. But you're not going to see everybody. But I believe that, again, you know, that area guy has to believe in him and, and you know, as a staff, you have to believe in your scout. And if he wants a guy, then, you know, it's up to him to say, hey, this is our guy. I believe that he's going to play. He might need some time. And I, I think we can improve on that, and, and uh, things will get better for the organization. Joined by Keith Gretzky tonight here on 630 Chat Inside Sports, named the assistant general manager of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, as we finish up here, Keith, and we really appreciate your time, um, you know, the, the chance to come to Edmonton, and, you know, you, and you mentioned uh, your brother Wayne, and the, we know the history there, but uh, the chance to come to Edmonton to work for an organization uh, that has so much history, and your brother's a big part of that, to, how awesome is that, or how cool is that? <laughs> I, you know, I, again, I come back to, like, when we started the conversation, I was really lucky that Cam Neely and Don Sweeney, you know, understood that. I think that was probably the, the turning point for them to give Peter permission, and, and I, I can't stress that enough where it's important. It's one of those things that's real cool, and, you know, to be a part of uh, the tradition of Edmonton Oilers and, you know, work for a guy that I've worked for and I respect, and, and I know I'm going to learn a lot, and, and the biggest thing is is try to win a championship. And, uh, you know, I don't think I could have picked a better guy than Peter to, you know, to be in charge of that. And I just want to help him any way I can. Right on. Uh, lots of work to do for sure. So congratulations, Keith, on the new post, Assistant General Manager of the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, thanks for your time here today as well. You got it. Take care. We'll talk to you soon. Keith Gretzky, the new Assistant General Manager of the Edmonton Oilers. 
Bill Scott, by the way, who previously held the position, will transition into a new role as the Oilers' director of salary cap management and assistant to the president of hockey operations. So uh, Keith Gretzky has spent the past five years with the Bruins, most recently served as director of amateur scouting for the Bruins. Gretzky also served as an amateur scout with Boston for three years, spent time with the Arizona Coyotes scouting staff prior to joining the Bruins. Uh, Oilers also announced Kelly Buckberger will now serve as the club's vice president of player development. Dwayne Sutter has been promoted to vice president of player personnel. And Frank J. and P.J. Fenton have been brought in as amateur scouts. And more on the uh, communication side, media side too, uh, Andre Brin has been brought in as manager of hockey communications and research. Sean May has been promoted to manager of hockey communications and media relations. Justin Mahi has been promoted to manager of hockey analysts. And former senior VP of player personnel Scott Housen has moved on to explore new opportunities. The club did not renew analytics consultant uh, Tyler Dello's contract. So lots of changes. Lots of changes. But uh, yeah, so Peter Shirelli is hiring the people that he's comfortable with. And uh, Bob Nicholson, who is, you know, uh, the big chief as far as the Oilers Entertainment Group is concerned, the vice chair and uh, someone that is overseeing the business side and overseeing hockey operations, uh, bringing in the people that he used to work with with Hockey Canada because um, he had a long time of a long serving time as their president of uh, Hockey Canada. So, and Andre Brin, for example, was a longtime uh, communications manager. I've dealt with Andre for a long, long time. Uh, so Andre can do the job pretty well. So, and Bob Nicholson clearly trusts him. So uh, there you go. That's the uh, news of the day. Uh, this text says, yeah, oil on track. It's going to be fun. There you go. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and, and right away, Keith Gretzky referenced the fact that, you know, the signing of Milan Lucic, the, uh, that's the philosophy of Peter Shirelli. Signing a, a player like that is the philosophy of, of Peter Shirelli. We're in the West. He likes to play uh, with guys that are, you know, not slow, but guys that have speed, but also you have an element of physicality. And in the Pacific Division, you sure need that with teams like the Ducks and the Kings and the San Jose Sharks, the Western Conference final uh, and Stanley Cup finalists, the Western Conference champions. So interesting moves by the Oilers today. So uh, further cementing Peter Shirelli's hold on this franchise. It's 623. Back with more Inside Sports in a moment here on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Dave Campbell in for Reed, Reed Wilkins tonight, here till 8 o'clock. Back tomorrow, Reed will be back on Thursday. Eskimo show coming up from six, or sorry, from 8 until 9 this evening with Morley Scott. Uh, Lyle, text in. You can text in at 630-630. Phone lines are open, 780 780- 4960063 as well. Lyle says, listening to Keith Gretzky in this interview, he sounds exactly like Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> Wayne says, or sorry, uh, Rob says, are you sure you're not talking to Wayne? Wow. Then another texter says, holy cow, do Keith and Wayne sound the same? You can't tell them apart. To be honest with you, when I was uh, speaking with Keith, it 
Sure sounded a lot like Wayne because I've, I've, I've spoken with Wayne a couple times on the phone and yeah, there's not much difference, that's for sure. So what does uh, a Boston Bruins uh, insider feel about this move? Well, I'll let you hear from uh, Joe Haggerty, who was on Oilers Now with uh, guest host Brendan Ulrich earlier today. We'll, uh, we'll let you hear what he thinks about this move. And uh, did Brent, or did, uh, did it again? It's like a swear jar. I need a Brent Gretzky jar. Every time I say it, i got to put like a toonie in there. We'll find out what he thinks about Keith Gretzky's time as the director of amateur scouting. Back with uh, more Inside Sports in a moment. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight. He is uh, taking tonight off and tomorrow off, and he'll be back on Thursday. On 630 Chad Inside Sports, Eskimos uh, playing in Ottawa on Saturday, trying to break a two-game losing streak. Won't be easy against the Red Blacks, even though uh, they kind of fell on their face a bit against the Argos a couple days ago, losing 23-20. They've lost two straight as well. So what I'm saying is you're going to have two angry football teams playing against each other, or so I hope. <laughs> uh, we got it for you right here uh, on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 is the kickoff from, uh, sorry, 3.30 is the pregame show, 5 o'clock the kickoff from TD Place. I uh, got this text in. Uh, he said, don't know if you're on the text line when you were talking to Jalen Nye, but I texted, don't blink your little bundle of joy will be asking for the keys to your car before you know it. Yeah, <laughs> it's starting to feel that way. Yes, my, my son Noah uh, is celebrating his six-month birthday today. So, you know, it's been, uh, it's been a pretty cool day. You know, it's always kind of, I'm, always, I'm already feeling the bittersweet feelings about, you know, your child getting older, and my child's only six months old, so we got... You know, we got a long way to go here. But uh, it seems only yesterday I was holding in my arms for the first time. But, yeah, you're right. By next week, he'll be asking for the car, probably. So that's how fast the time seems to be going. So I'm glad that is not reality. Let's bring you a scoreboard update. It's brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, call 310-GLASS today. Toronto Blue Jays continuing their series against the Houston Astros. And right now, the uh, Baltimore Orioles and Boston Red Sox have a share of first place in the American League East. The Jays are one game back. And right now, the score is here somewhere. I I know it is. (laughs) Just one second here. Computers keep refreshing and then moving on me, and it you know kind of drives you crazy. So it is zero zero bottom of the second inning. Uh, Boston is in action in Seattle. I can tell you that for sure. And Baltimore right now they're taking on the Texas Rangers, and right now Baltimore uh, is leading the Rangers by a score of one to nothing. Uh, CFL Week Seven action begins tomorrow in Winnipeg with these stupid short weeks. <laughs> one day I'm going to have a rant about these short weeks. They're not very good. But, uh, yeah, week seven begins tomorrow. The Hamilton Tiger Cats visit the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And can the Blue Bombers win two straight and finally win a game at home? They've only won seven games out of 31. All right. uh, The news of the day, as far as the Oilers are concerned, the hiring of Brent Gretzky. 
I did it again. The hiring of Keith Gretzky. <laughs> assistant general manager. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Slap. Another tuning into the Brent Gretzky drawer. Keith Gretzky. Leaving the Boston Bruins uh, after spending time as a scout and director of their amateur scouting, uh, coming to the Oilers for a, uh, in a, uh, the role of assistant general manager. Joe Haggerty, who does a good job uh, covering the Boston Bruins, and he was on Oilers Now earlier today, uh, talked about Keith Gretzky leaving the Bruins for the Oilers and uh, what kind of track record does he leave behind? Uh, you know, Peter Shirelli hired Keith Gretzky in Boston. Uh, quickly after being hired, he was named uh, head of the amateur scouting uh, when they fired Wayne Smith after a number of uh, bad drafts where they weren't getting players and they were making mistakes in the first round. And you know, Gretzky did a really good job when he was here. Uh, there are a couple of picks you can take issue with. I would say the one sort of thing you can look at and pick at him with, uh, pick on him a little bit with is that he go, he tends to go off the board sometimes, especially in the first round uh, for players that are ranked much lower than that uh, and sort of go against the grain. And, you know, it's really too early to tell here in Boston whether he was right on with those picks. Guys like uh, Trent Frederick and Zach Sinition, uh going against uh, other players that were more highly rated and have turned out to be pretty good prospects. So, you know, we'll see on that, but he hit a home run with the 25th overall pick in his first draft with David Pasternak. Uh, and when you were at Bruins Development Camp a few weeks ago, you saw all the first and second round picks that Gretzky and the Bruins have made over the last few years, and a lot of them look like bona fide NHL players. So uh, the guy certainly knows talent. Uh, I think he's going to be a plus uh, for, the, for the Edmonton Oilers. And, and uh, Speck, speaking of what you said at the beginning, I fully expect what's going to happen in Edmonton is what goes on in Boston and what went on in Boston when Shirelli was here is that it's a very collaborative process with a lot of eyes and a lot of executives and scouts going to look at players and you know sort of getting consensus from this big group. That's kind of how Peter Shirelli uh, does his business and, and uh, targets players and, and they decide on guys they want to draft, trade for, and anything else. And you know, Obviously Gretzky is going to become a huge voice in that uh, collaborative group. And what about Keith Gretzky's record of drafting in rounds two through six? And that's an area the Oilers have definitely struggled with over the last number of years. Yeah, he definitely was. Uh, Last year in the second round, uh, Brandon Carlo looks like he might even be on the roster for the Bruins this year. Uh, Drafted him, uh, JFK, uh, Jacob Forsbacher-Carlson, uh, Carlson, excuse me, a Swedish kid that's playing at Boston University, uh, is somebody that blossomed in his freshman season at BU last year and is a player that's probably going to go pro within the next couple of years. And, and people are drawing comparisons to Patrice Bergeron with him. You know, lose comparisons, obviously, but uh, just he's a really dominant college hockey player, a two-way player, and a guy that people think uh, is going to be a very good center at the NHL level. Uh, and even, you know, a few years back, uh, Anders Bjork, who was fifth-rounder, uh, the people didn't really know much about. Uh, he's gone to Notre Dame. He was their leading scorer last year. He was awesome at development camp this year, and, and looks like he's going to be uh, a potential NHL player. Uh, Dan Heinen's another one uh, who they hit on, who was uh, a guy you didn't really know much about from Western Canada uh, that they took in, I think, the third or the fourth round, and he ended up uh, exploding at Denver, at University of Denver, and now he is a dark horse to make the NHL roster. Uh, this coming fall. So, yeah, you're talking about a lot of players 
right now that are either candidates to make the NHL roster or look like they're uh, tracking towards the NHL that were non-first-round picks. Uh, so they've definitely, Gretzky, I think, has is, is, uh, made a point of, of getting talent there and has shown an ability to do that, uh, along with hitting on some of these first-rounders. Really, I think below the first round, he's been aces. And the only question I have is what I mentioned before, where every once in a while, maybe this is a byproduct of having five first-round picks in the last two years, it seemed like they rolled the dice and took a chance with a player in the first round. Uh, in one instance, uh, with a guy in submission, in another instance, it seemed like they played it for, uh, safe with a guy like Frederick this past year at the end of the first round when they could have, you know, gone for the best uh, available player. Uh, guys like Alex DeBrincat and Pascal LaBerge, they passed on. So, you know, you can quibble a little bit with a couple of the first rounders they've made, but I think by and large, it, it is very clear that he has a good eye for talent and that a lot of that talent is, is coursing through the veins of the Bruins organization right now with their prospects. So good perspective there from Joe Haggerty, who uh, covers the Boston Bruins for Comcast Sportsnet in New England on the uh, history of Keith Gretzky as director of amateur scouting and some of the uh, players that he has been able to draft uh, beyond the second round. And, yeah, some questionable picks in the first round uh, last year, especially in 2015. I mean, when uh, when Barzell was available, for example, and uh, he, he went off the board. So um, time will tell. And I know we got this one text. Uh, Boston's drafting has been highly questionable. Now the guys in charge of uh, going, the guys in charge and going to oversee the draft. I'm not convinced this is a good move for the Oilers. So I guess time will tell. You know, you look at his draft history with the Phoenix now Arizona Coyotes, and he did mention uh, Keith Yandel being drafted in the fourth round and. Keith Yandel probably is not in the number one defenseman mold, but uh, you know, a pretty decent defenseman, I would say, uh, more than decent. But uh, you know, there are some picks uh, like Kyle Turris in two thousand and seven, uh, pick third overall, probably a bit too high, I would say. Uh, he's still Turris, still struggling, I think, to be a legitimate top two center in the National Hockey League. He's a top two center. Now with Derek Broussard in Ottawa, but I think if you look at him overall, probably not a top two center maybe on a lot of teams. So there's that. Uh, You look at some other drafts that uh, he has had. Uh, Michael Botker was the eighth overall pick in 2008 and has carved himself a decent NHL career. 207 points in 426 games. Uh, Michael Stone, third round pick in 2008 and uh, recently signed a new contract along with a guy uh, by the name of Connor Murphy did the same thing. Uh, Oh, Oliver Ekman Larson was a first round pick? Yes, he was in 2009. So that was obviously a very, very good pick. And it probably goes back to you know a point I was making around the draft because that was the last time I was uh, in this chair for Reed Wilkins when uh, Reed was in Buffalo for the draft and you know, the talk about, hey, they're going to find a number one defenseman, you know, through a trade. And the P.K. Subban rumors were uh, were hot and heavy. And it's really hard to trade for a number one defenseman. And even the, the Adam Larson trade uh, for Taylor Hall. I mean, I don't think Adam Larson at this point is a number one defenseman. I think he's a solid uh, second pairing defenseman. But someone that could be a number one defenseman as far as the shutdown category. 
but you know someone who has the offensive uh, firepower and plays that good two-way game and is a 50-60 point guy, you probably have to draft that player. It's really hard to trade for that player. So obviously a good pick there. So there are uh, you're not going to get it right all the time. So we'll see what happens. But Peter Sorelli liked what uh, he was able to do for him when the Bruins were uh, you know, a contender. They're not so much a contender now, maybe a playoff contender, not a Stanley Cup contender. The Oilers, they want to be a playoff contender and then eventually be a Stanley Cup contender. So with Keith Gretzky at the helm, we will see. Uh, why don't you call Pete? Tell him to hire Brent Gretzky as well. Make life, easy. <laughs> Make life easier for you. Yeah, I don't have Pete's number, but that might, that might uh, work out. Uh, Lyle says, maybe you and Reed can get together, compose a ballot slash love letter about CFL scheduling. <laughs> have to talk to Reed about that. <laughs> so anyway, CFL scheduling drives me nuts. Probably because they have one network. That's probably why the scheduling's all over the darn place. But anyway, it drives me crazy. Eskimos have a long week, then they have a short week again with travel. They play Montreal next Thursday after they play Ottawa on Saturday. Why do we do this, CFL? Not just for the Eskimos, but for a lot of teams. Why Why do they make teams not play in their home stadium for three, four times in, in a row? Anyway, I digress. Oh, speaking of football, Eskimos were back today. We'll talk about them in a moment here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. This is Oscar Kleffbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. 6.50 on a Tuesday night. Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins tonight and tomorrow. Reed will be back in the big chair on Thursday. Eskimos' next game in Ottawa against the Red Blacks. Site of the 2017 Grey Cup. Grey Cup 105, that was announced on Sunday. Uh, this game, oh, not as significant, but it's uh, two teams that have two game losing streaks. I'm not very happy with the way that they have been playing the last couple of games. And both games that uh, I'm sure both sides, on you know, when they look at their games, they go, hey, we could have won those games where we had a chance to win those games. And uh, the Eskimos are no exception, even though they went through a period where they were outscored 48-3, to combined second half against Hamilton and uh, first half against the Bombers. Things started to get a little bit better in the uh, second half against the Bombers, but not good enough. And the Eskimos are 2-3 and three on the season. But uh, Moss uh, talked about the extra time off. I talked about short week, long week, short week, week, long week. That's where the Eskimos are in right now. It's a long week after a short week. A uh, short week will come after the game against the uh, Red Blacks on Saturday. But uh, Moss says, yeah, the extra time off is good. They look great. I mean, well-rested, uh, ready to go. I mean, we talk about it each each week. It's a, a new week. And, you know, after a tough loss, a couple in a row, you know, you just kind of regroup, you know, get away from football for a minute and come back ready charged and uh, ready to practice and with a good uh, mindset. What do you try to guard against when you got extra time and you're, you know, you, the scenario you're in, you've lost a couple 
couple of games? And is it you don't want to get paralysis by analysis here? Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, you don't want to try to do too much. You want to keep doing what you're doing and don't give up on what you've been doing. I mean, it's uh, you don't want to beat your head against the wall. You just want to. I, I think our guys just put their nose to the grindstone a little bit, continue to do what we're doing, just get better at what we're trying to do. Bottom line. So, um, yeah, when you have more time, obviously you have more time to prepare, more time to think, and sometimes that can be a bad thing. But ultimately, in a long season, I think rest is great. Uh, gives our guys the ability to recharge and refocus and uh, gives our staff a time to, to look at what we're doing and kind of critique it and, and get better for it. Eskimos are 1-3 and three at home, which is weird. They're 1-0 uh, and oh on the road. So, I mean, road teams are winning at a tremendous clip so far this season. And I'm sure the trend is going to go the other way at some point. It was almost like uh, two two years ago when the the West Division had such an overwhelming record against the uh, winning record against the East Division to start the season, and then it started to turn around around Labor Day. Things always change around Labor Day, anyway. Uh, Mike Riley um, said after the game uh, he felt his play was uh, what do you say? I believe the direct quote was, "I thought I played a crap game." Well, does Jason Moss believe that about Mike Riley's play? Mike's pretty hard on himself, no question. Um, can he perform better than what he did? Absolutely. And that's uh, it's his process as the year is. Um, it's a new system for him, too. I mean, I know it's very similar, but it's different. So we're five games in. We have very high expectations, all of us. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with his complete assessment, but I'm glad that he is that hard. There's definitely room for improvement that I see. And uh, we talk about it every day, and there's things that he needs to get better at and he will get better at because that's the type of player he is. Is it his progression or what is it? Uh, yeah, it's part of it. Uh, part of it's you know trying to do a little too much and letting the play just develop. Um, you know that's been his Achilles' heel so far when he's uh, made made mistakes. It's more of not getting through something and sticking on something too long. But like I said, that's natural in this progression of this offense. Um, you know, we ask a lot of our quarterback. I mean, there we probably ask as much of him as anybody on our on our team. Um, so, you know, with him being only five games into our system, you know, he's done a tremendous job and will continue to do a tremendous job. But, you know, ultimately, yeah, he has to play better. Absolutely. Riley says uh, it's not comfort level with the offense. Says he's pretty comfortable. Yeah, I mean, my comfort level is very high. I mean, I felt like I played very poorly last game. I still feel that way after I watch the tape. There's just I, – I have – higher expectations for myself and for this offense than I would guess anybody else out there does. So uh, when we're not operating at a, at a perfect level and I'm not playing you know, perfectly in my reads and my keys and things like that, I, it's disappointing to me. I feel like I need to be much better than that, and I know I can be. So um, that was the disappointing part of it. But in terms of my level of comfort, it's very high. You know, we're, we're still doing some really good things out there. Um, you know, certain areas, maybe you just get back to the basics and and that's what happens after five or six weeks. You're going to have bad habits that creep in, and you got to refocus and narrow it in. And, and another six weeks from now, the same type of stuff will happen. You're, you know, there's so many different things that you're putting in. It's easy to kind of forget the details, but you got to try to get back to that, especially when you're the quarterback and you're in charge of so many different things. You got to make sure you're very good with the details, and that's what I'm trying to focus on and get back to this week for sure. But the uh, bigger problem, I mean, I'm not worried about the offense. I've said that time and time again, but it seems to be the defense. Uh, and they did some better things in the second half against the Bombers than what we saw through a close to a four-quarter stretch, second half Hamilton, first half Bombers. But Amado Sewell says 
and he's a veteran. Says no more excuses. I mean, you can't you can't keep blaming on new players, new systems, new everything. You know, we just got to come together and just figure it out as soon as possible. So you're a quarter of the way in now, though. Right? The season. I mean, it's time to. You, you can't let this linger too much longer, right? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, you know, like they said, uh, it's pro ball. You know, either you're going to do it or you're going to find somebody else to do it. So, it's plain and simple how it is. No gray areas between that one. And uh, interesting because he said, you know, that's coming from a veteran. And, and Darius Bowman, if we have time to play it before 8 o'clock, uh, I will. But basically, the veterans are trying to take ownership of this. You know, Darius Bowman says the veterans have to show the new players how it's done. So, if we're not sure of what we're doing they're not going to be sure about what they're doing because rookies naturally are going to follow veterans a couple of veterans today had a very long conversation with general manager ed hervey that is cornerback pat watkins and that is halfback marcel young who play on the the weak side of the field or the short side of the field no those two haven't been good this year and Pat Watkins looks like he's laboring. We talked about it on the broadcast on the post-game show with Blake Dermott, Morley Scott, and myself. Pat Watkins doesn't look right, but he's playing. That might be a reflection of what is behind Pat Watkins. So they got to find a way to get it done. Eskimos Red Blacks on Saturday, 5 o'clock kickoff from TD Place. We have the free game show here at 3.30. Next hour, talk uh, some more CFL and get your fantasy hockey pools ready. We'll help you out next on Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.